and welcome to the latest episode of the Good Works Podcast. Today, Sarah and I are going to tell you about a lot of things we do here at the Community Foundation that you might not know about, things that are a little more hidden from the public. And as always, please stick with us until the end when we're going to tell you what we're looking forward to. Sarah. Hey, Randy. How are you doing? I'm tired. You're tired? <laughs> we well, were just talking about this. How yes, tired we are. So tired. We're yeah. in that midsummer mom situation. You're very tan. <laughs> Means lots of baseball. Lots of baseball. Yeah. I'm very tired. Means lots of camp drop-offs, pickups, laundry drop-offs again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And work here is busy too. It really is. Yeah. And it's funny because summer once upon a time was pretty quiet at the community foundation. And Mm -hmm. in my brain, I still think it is, but I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because the truth is now summer, not only have we added the grant cycle that used to be in the fall, we've moved that to summer. There's just so much that happens year round here. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because we talk so much about our grant making and our scholarships and our funds, But that's one piece or many pieces of the Community Foundation puzzle. But there are a lot of other pieces, too, that go into the part of community building. Right. All of the things that support all of the grant making and all the great stuff we do. So why don't you start us off? Why don't you – I was going to try to make a pun (laughs) about launch padding, but – Why don't you launch right into it? Thank you. (laughs) There, you did it for me. Why don't you launch right in, Sarah? All right. So – yeah, this is something that I don't think a lot of people know that we do um, or that we support. I guess that's a better. We support this um, this training program. It's called Women Leaders Launchpad. Um, and oh gosh, I was um, one of the part the, the inaugural participants um, in it. Um, in a nutshell, it's a leadership training for women who predominantly work in the nonprofit field, um, our local nonprofit organizations. Um, and it's sort of the tagline is it's a deep dive into transformational leadership. So um, the program is facilitated by Rhonda Morton, who is from Savannah Consulting. It's her own um, coaching and consulting firm um, here locally. Um and the cohort of women um, are, you know, they, there's an application process, and we limit it to 10 women because um, we want the training to be, um, you know, very, very tight-knit. Very, they, the women bond. They meet monthly. They have individual coaching sessions. And typically after the training, these women stay connected um, and use each other as, um, you know, a valuable resource in their work and in their lives. Yeah, over the years, I've watched how well the cohorts bond. Yeah. And they become really trusted colleagues they and do. often good friends. Yeah. So, yeah, if someone's interested, how would they find out more about this? So they can go to our website at communityfund.org, um, and you click on uh, trainings and initiatives, and you should find the information there about Launchpad. Or you can just send me an email at sep at communityfund.org. Um, we're accepting applications until August uh, 13th. Um, there is a scholarship being offered for some um, organizations who may not be able to pay the entire tuition. So that's um, a little bonus that the foundation offers to support women in our area. Um, but yeah, so we're hoping to fill that out, um, have an idea of the cohort at least by the end of August. 
Super. Thank you so much. So yeah, that's the kind of thing where it it lives between grant making mm-hmm. and other work where we take a, a different kind of step or a different role. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. And we we do. We, we're part of putting that program together. Yeah. So now we're going to tell you, our dear listeners, about some <laughs> other things. Um, that one was really timely because right now, if you're interested, yes. you can get involved. Yeah. We thought we'd fill you in on some other things that go beyond a grant yeah. here at the Community Foundation. So we'll touch briefly on youth philanthropy because that's really Katie McConville's mm-hmm. world, but we didn't want to neglect that since she's not on this particular podcast episode. So our youth philanthropy work um, probably is best known for what we call RIP, which stands for Yo- Roses Youth Philanthropists, RYP. And that's our teen group, high schoolers that get together and learn all the ins and outs of grant making and really do make grants. Yeah. So yeah, how much are they making now? They're they're giving away well over $10,000 well, a year. Yeah, I think around 12000 Yeah. Yep. So every year, a group of teens are learning. Uh, they start in the fall, and it goes beyond just learning how to process a grant. They spend a lot of time volunteering for programs, evaluating programs, doing site visits. They get to have the full the full grant making experience. Yeah. So there's usually two students, at least two students from each of the high schools in our area. Yes. Um, are on the committee. Yes, and then it grows because um, kids love it, and we love kids. Yeah. So kids two, love Katie. Kids love Katie. <laughs> so we never really make anyone leave. So there might be two uh, kids, and then two more get involved, and then we have four. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's grown over the years because of that. And so there are students that will be part of RIP their entire high school experience. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that builds on some other youth philanthropy. Um, it starts at the classroom level in kindergarten, mm-hmm. where uh, Katie again does this, but Sarah and I have spent <laughs> lots of hours in classrooms <laughs> helping young people learn all about philanthropy and how to make a grant. Um, so this started the 100th anniversary of yes. Community Foundations as a field where Randy and I hundred different classrooms. Hundred classrooms about philanthropy. <laughs> we did. We went to a hundred classrooms, and we made sure that one hundred classrooms each gave away one hundred dollars. So, uh, yeah, like this has gone on for a while. We liked it so much we couldn't stop. Yeah, so, and teachers loved it so much yeah. that they wanted because it's part of. Um, I guess there's a, st- a standard. Yes. Right. Um, for some of the older elementary kids around civic engagement, so um, it fills a nice. Um, little hole for our teachers when Katie comes in. It sure does. And then along the way, we realized we were hitting elementary schools mm-hmm. with classroom visits and high schools with RIP. And we had a little bit of a hole in the middle. And Katie filled that with our middle school programming called Philanthropeeps. <laughs> and that's built on an after school model. So you can see we run the gamut. Mm-hmm. And that's a program that she brings to area middle schools to teach about philanthropy and grant making and essentially doing good right. in the yeah. community. Um, and that that ends up being very student-led. Yeah. And I remember one year, the philanthropeeps at Corning Painted Post Middle School, back when my daughter was in middle school there, had a philanthro dance. Yeah. And over 500 kids went. <laughs> it was huge. Awesome. So yeah, the philanthropeeps are moving and shaking and doing great things. Yeah. That's um, almost like a, sur- like a kind of like a service learning opportunity, right? Yeah. So it's a club, but they, they do some bigger projects, which is always fun. They do. They build. And it typically lasts 8 to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. 
So that's youth philanthropy. How about FLX Gives? Wow. So FLX Gives is about to start its third year. I can't believe it already. So November 12th is our um, is the date we've set for this year's FLX Gives, which is a 24-hour um, giving day for our local community. So we have nonprofits who register to participate in the, that day, and we encourage donors from all over to give to causes that matter the most to them. Um, so last year we raised about $160,000, which was- We doubled? We doubled what we <laughs> raised year the one first year. year. Two. Um, yeah. So we never really set a goal in how much we want the organizations to bring in, but I'm certainly hoping we beat 160000 that's it. We're very hesitant. It's interesting yeah. to set a monetary goal because this event belongs to the community yeah. and to the programs and to the donors. And we don't want anyone to feel disappointed right. because it's meant to be all about love. Right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, our goals are a little bit more about having more donors yeah. give. We just want people to participate at whatever level they can. Exactly. So one person for the first time jumping in and giving $1 means the world as much as someone giving for the third year and that has the ability to give a thousand dollars or again going back to kids introducing kids to um the world of philanthropy and what it means to help an organization that helps so many people in our community and we do have a lot of participation from young people mm -hmm. on the day on flx gives so yeah. yeah stay tuned you're gonna hear a lot more about that um so now a couple more crunchy things. Um, we also have a legacy society here that is pretty uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. These are people who have named the foundation in their will or estate and plan to leave a fund. We get to know them really well mm -hmm. while we can so that we can carry out their wishes and help them be remembered the exact way they want to be remembered many, many years from now. Yep. So that's a whole other part of the foundation. And every year we get the Legacy Society together and we keep them informed in our work and we like to make sure we know what they want. Um, if you look at us and you see 200 and plus funds, it's almost 250 funds wow. now. My mind can't take that. Um, <laughs> Instead of saying just over 200, we can say almost, almost 300. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's hard because when I started, we were around 100 funds. So I, I'm always having to recalibrate in my brain how much bigger we've gotten yeah. um so anyway uh it every one of those funds has a story mm -hmm. has a donor um has a goal and so our legacy society work helps us make sure that we're carrying new funds into the distant future for future generations yeah. getting back into um what sort of katie's side uh something else we're doing this, this is, is a new, new yeah <laughs> new project is launching college visits. Yeah. Um, the goal is to be more than just a scholarship. So Sarah, you want to talk about what's going on with that? Well, sure. I don't know that much because again, this isn't in my wheelhouse, but it's an opportunity to introduce kids to college campus, right? Absolutely. Who've never, maybe, ha maybe it's not even on their radar that that's something that they want to, um, you know, to move towards in their future. Yeah. So we're targeting sophomores mm -hmm. and helping them go visit campuses, some um, state schools, some private schools, historically black colleges and universities, looking at a really nice assortment so that as a sophomore, they can take a peek at a lot of different options mm -hmm. and then help zero in on what they need to do as juniors to right. build toward that senior year when they actually apply. Right. Apply for scholarships. Yes, right. that's obviously our end game goal. <laughs> we want them to apply for scholarships here. 
It's kind of funny to whisper on a podcast. I know. But yeah, that was odd. <laughs> but, but this you, is all about setting kids up for success, yes, right? Yes, so, completely. Um, doing some of the things that perhaps they don't have um, – you know, supports in their life to be able to get them to campuses at, you know, at the age of like a sophomore student and then introducing them to scholarships and what they have to do in order to pay for college. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just trying to make kids become as successful as they possibly can. So in speaking of success, we can't do all of this alone, even with all of the funds we have. So something else we do behind the scenes here is we work really hard to build and maintain relationships with other funders. Mm -hmm. Those can be private family foundations, corporate foundations, United Ways, those kinds of organizations, other groups that give money. It's important that we all know what's happening and we get along really well and we trust each other. So Sarah, I know you work really closely with a lot of our local funders. Yeah, so so the, there's a group of us, um, local funders, who meet on typically a quarterly basis, sometimes a little bit more frequently, or um, if we can't meet in person, a lot of times we'll you know, have an email string going back and forth with questions. Um, when we do meet quarterly, we just sort of chat. We, mm-hmm. we each kind of take five to ten minutes to talk about what's going on in our individual foundations, um, our grant cycles, any really cool programs that they've, you know, that or that we've come across. Um, it's also a time to talk about some concerns that we that we have. Um, it doesn't happen that often, but sometimes there are um, some concerns. Uh, so I, the group of us that meet, it's the Triangle Fund, um, Anderson Foundation, United Way, Corning Foundation, um, and some smaller um, private foundations, but. Um, we live in such a small community and we're all trying to do the best we can to support our nonprofit organization. So it's important that we have a good working relationship so we can call on each other when we need to. That's right. And then then I take that same energy and I work with statewide and national organizations and national funders to make sure that our region, the Finger Lakes, are at the absolute top of their mind. I work hard to help them understand that this is indeed the center of the universe. (laughs) All good things flow from our area. Um, And so, yeah, I work with a group of funders um, called Engage New York uh, and some other, you know, I work with Neighborhood Funders Group, which is a national organization. And that accounts for a lot of our work too, Mm -hmm. is making sure that they're well aware of us. And thanks to that kind of work, more money we can bring more money in for programs here by introducing our local nonprofits to these national players. So a great example of that was the census work, right? Yes, absolutely. I was a big part of the New York State Census grant-making initiative. And because of that, we made a very modest grant to that work based on what we could do. Um, And in return, one of our grant recipients was able to receive a grant eight times larger than what mm-hmm. we could have done. So th- that's a great multiplier, yes. 800% return on that <laughs> investment. Um, so sure, it takes a lot of time, but those relationships mean the world to us. And then we're able to share those relationships with our community. That's the reason we do it. Yep. Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's so much, there's so much more. <laughs> um, a couple more things. So another thing we do that is, again, not typically linked to the Community Foundation, but believe it or not, lives entirely here in the legal sense, mm-hmm. is FLX Calendar. Yes. Yeah. So this um, re- actually got its kickstart right before COVID um, yes. started last year. Um, actually, it launched April 1st, right. 2020. <laughs> right. But this was an idea that had been 
gosh, you know, people talked about a, a, a combined calendar, a community calendar for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so finally we had somebody um, want to actually do the, do the work of putting something together, Amelia, um, to, to launch the calendar. So we support her work and mm-hmm. support the calendar being out there in the internet world. Um, but this is a calendar that highlights all of the different community events that happen throughout the Finger Lakes region. So you have um, events, uh, art events, community events, downtown events. Um, it was especially important during COVID because then it also highlighted all of the virtual things happening, especially for kids who were um, homebound. Um, so folks, if you're interested, you can go to flxcalendar.org. Is it org or com? <laughs> it's com. <laughs> flxcalendar.com now I'm worried or you can just google flx calendar and it should pop up (laughs) oh Um, Oh, geez but anyway see we just have so much okay it's dot com we have confirmed that with our trusty producer okay um (laughs) and behind that so underneath that is a planning calendar that is used just by all the organizers to log in and check dates before they go public so what you see is the end result of a lot of work from a lot of people Mm -hmm. Uh, not only amelia harness the local artist who is the the heart and soul of FLX calendar, but also all of the different organizations that you can think of that put on events. So, uh, yeah, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours go into what you're able to scroll. For sure. All right. So then we're coming into home base. And Um, I'm certain we've forgotten something. Oh, I'm certain we've forgotten many, many things. Um, but We do then, there is this last thing I wanted to make sure to just briefly touch on is we have grant initiatives and those also live in a space between grant making and program, meaning they ultimately become grants to either individuals or organizations, but we do a lot or the the coordination behind the scenes for the larger initiative. Mm -hmm. So it all started with the School Readiness Project back in 2006. Then um, about four years ago, we launched SmartWorks, which helps people pay their college debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then now we're deep into the childcare pipeline, working with five Cs, the Shimon County Childcare Council, to recruit, retain, and train new childcare workers in the region and then finally wheels to work Mm -hmm. wheels to work is a real favorite so sarah can you tell us a little about it yeah so wheels to work is actually a program managed by proaction of steuben and yates county um so uh some most of you will remember the quality of life survey that we that you're going to talk about in a minute but that we um had folks complete one of the one of the big things that came out of that survey was the need for transportation or or some Mm -hmm. way to kind of like fix the transportation, make transportation more accessible for individuals. Um, So one of the ways we are um, working on that was to contract with ProAction to bring their Wheels to Work program to Shimon County. And so this program helps folks um, get their car back in service so Mm -hmm. that they can get to work um, with um, typically minor repairs. So it could be... um, you know, uh, getting new tires or, um, I don't know. A lot of brake work. Brake work, things like that, that can be um, easily solved and help people get to where they need to go. That's right. 
Chemung County, but really our entire region has something, a problem called the last mile problem. And in a rural area that can look like three, five, 10 miles, but in transportation, we call it the last mile problem, meaning you might have transit routes so that if you can get to the transportation hub, Mm -hmm. you can take a bus, for instance, from Elmira to the Arnott Mall. But you might live a mile plus from that hub. So now you've tacked on, say, a 20 or 30 mile walk to get to that hub. Well, with our, you know, seasons and a lot Mm -hmm. of our weather can really change throughout the course of a day, but certainly throughout the year, um, making it to the hub can be really challenging. Then you factor in if you use wheels to move around Mm -hmm. or if you have a stroller there, you know, we have to think about transportation from a door to door perspective. So Wheels to Work really helps us do that. And our community is very different. Like, yes, we do have the transit system, um, but sometimes, like you're saying, it doesn't get everybody to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. But then also, a lot of our community members just prefer driving cars. Yeah. Um, We don't really have the density for public transportation to have... constant routes, meaning, you know, it could be hours before you have another opportunity to take public transportation. And even at that, we might not have full buses. We are not a densely populated area. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that all came out of that wheels to work work came out of our quality of life survey. And that's what we want to end on with this part of the podcast with you today is explaining every five years, we pop up out of the ground and say, you know, kind of like a groundhog and going and say, Hey, how is everything? Do we see our shadow? Um, No, we, we ask the community to answer a pretty lengthy survey. It takes about 15 minutes and we take all of that data and we crunch it and we see, is it okay to live here? Is it a great place to live? Is it a good place to live? And where are we excelling and where are the gaps? Right. So we look at what's going really well. We make sure that that continues to be well-resourced. And we look at where there are gaps, like transportation, and we figure out how we can fill those gaps. So when we come back out in a couple more years with the next Quality of Life survey, that's what we're doing with that information. And we really hope all of you that are listening will fill that out when the time comes because that supports all the work we just told you about separate from our grant making. Yeah. So, Sarah, and oh, by the way, so that's our team. Our team is uh, Sarah and me and Katie and John and Nancy, 10 hours a week helping keep the trains running. Um, That's what we do when we're not doing the grants and scholarships we talk about. And then something we didn't talk about are all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but that's going to be the topic of a future podcast, I promise. So if you wondered where was that, we um, are. that's so much more to talk about. So we will talk about that in the future. All right. Sounds like a lot when we write it down and we're talking about it, but this is what we live every day. It is what we live every day. (laughs) I do a little bit of everything on that page every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's why we're tired. Could be. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why summer is not slow anymore. Summer is not slow anymore. (laughs) That is true. So, Sarah, what are you looking forward to in the next few weeks here in the beautiful Finger Lakes? So, um... There's a new organization in town. It's called ECA. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of ECA before, ECA stands for the Elmira Center for Cultural Advancement. Um, and throughout the month of July, they've been hosting a Friday night movie series featuring um, black artists, black movies. Um, they're outdoors um, in the Divin Elementary School field. And this Friday happens to be the last movie that they're showing. And it's Judas and the Black Messiah. 
Yeah, um, nominated for an Academy Award. Nominated for an Academy Award. So that's supposed that's going to be very exciting. Um, if you're interested, um, tickets are only ten dollars, and that gets you sort of like they have the um, field um, set up as a grid. So um, you know, social distancing and mm-hmm. all the precautions are being taken place. So ten dollars gets you a box, and about four people fit in a box. Um, so if you're interested and would like to purchase tickets, just simply go to ekaNY.org um, and you can find all the information there. Wonderful. And it's good that we're still taking some precautions around yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. Um, look today and, you know, we're back over about a 1% rate here and we want to be really thoughtful about mm-hmm. that. So what a wonderful Friday night. Yeah. Get out, be outdoors, see a great movie, support an organization that's really crucial to the region. Yeah. That's just a win-win-win. Cross win-win. our fingers that there's no rain. Right. Yes. Hope well, for I no rain. I think right now it looks relatively dry, so good. Hope for, hope for a good Friday night. How about you, Randy? Well, I am really excited because Elmira Little Theater is planning to have a season this year. Yay! Yay! So (laughs) auditions are later this week for their upcoming productions of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown and Next to Normal. So if this is something that you love to do, if you're, you know, a singer, a dancer, an actor, um, make sure you're checking out their page that actually very active on Facebook, mm-hmm. just at Elmire Little Theater. It's super easy to find. Um, or if you're like me and really excited to be an audience member, <laughs> go check out the dates of the performances, pop those on your calendar, get a group of friends together and be ready to go cheer on um, and applaud our local li- little theater. I'm so excited to see shows again. I am too. <laughs> I am too. Uh, the Broadway tour is also going to happen. So the Broadway series at the Clemens Center they've announced go ahead take a peek mm-hmm. see what's coming really good Looks lineup really, really good. yeah I'm very excited um so yeah I'm very happy I have a couple of friends that are going to audition so I have my fingers crossed for them sending them lots of love um and it's going to be it's going to be a great fall mm-hmm. especially if we can take care of this little surge that's happening right yeah. now yeah. so as we close just a call out or a, a a call to action. If you're not yet vaccinated, please, please, please take care of that. Um, there is no one in the world more afraid of needles than I am. Maybe I'm tied with your son, <laughs> with Aiden. Son, yeah. Aiden and I are the most afraid of needles people yeah. in the world. And I promise you it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And I also promise I even got the side effects from the second dose mm-hmm. and I was all hot and cold and in bed for, you know, 30 hours. I feel great ever since. Um, The research is showing us that these are safe vaccines, safe, effective, and free and available. And you don't need to worry about it. Like it was, it was hard at first to go find an appointment. Now they're everywhere. Pharmacies, doctor's offices, you can get it. It's free. And our area is not where they need to be. Do it for yourself. Do Do it it for your family. Do Do it it for your family. Do it for your community. I was just reading a story of a woman who worked in healthcare, was not vaccinated, brought the virus home, and now she has lost her husband, her mother, and her son. And her regret, obviously, and she's going to live with this guilt for the rest of her life, that she wasn't vaccinated and she was asymptomatic. If you're not vaccinated, you've got to take care of yourself and the people you love. You absolutely have to. And our vaccination rates need to go up. So please, Finger Lakes, please, please, please take care of that. Because once we do that, we're going to have a fantastic fall and we're going to take care of each other. So 
that's my last little my last little <laughs> plead. And I promise you, for me to be pleading that you get a shot is <laughs> going – it's a big deal. It's against everything in me because I hate shots. But I promise you, it really doesn't hurt. Yeah. And if you've been feeling hesitant, take it from two people who've been vaccinated. Yeah. 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 Take it from us. We wouldn't tell you this if we hadn't done it ourselves. We wouldn't be telling you this if we if we thought there was any way you could be hurt by this. I promise you. Our whole goal is to make sure you're okay. So thanks for listening all the way to the end. I promise not to talk about needles like ever again. <laughs> um, and uh, we really do appreciate that you listen to the Good Works podcast. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>